You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Some of it's just uncertainty of what the future holds. But the Lord doesn't leave us. And He'll be there. No matter what your storm looks like, He'll be there. And when, if right now you're not going through a storm, praise the Lord. But it comes to everyone. And those times, those struggles, we've got to learn how to trust Him. And if we don't trust Him when there is no storm, it's awful hard to learn to trust Him in the storm. And so let's, uh, let's definitely be a people that lives by faith. Uh, the Lord told us that the just shall live by faith. All right, keep your Bibles out, Colossians. And as I have just been studying out with our theme for the year, uh, Rooted and Built, and just thinking about the needs and, and for God's, God to just help us truly be rooted in our faith. Because if we're not rooted in our faith, no matter what we build upon is going to come down. There have been so many people that I've witnessed over the years that were adding things into their life, but they didn't get rooted. And the storms came and all the activity of Christianity will not get you through the storms. What's going to get you through is when you're rooted in Him. And so we're going to be looking at that, and the Lord just is keeping me right here in Colossians. And so this morning, we are uh, in the verses just ahead, Colossians uh, 1, verses 9 through 11, and we are looking about uh, a walk worth taking, uh, walking worthily, uh, walking worthy uh, of the Lord there. And and tonight we're going to look at verse 12 through 14, but verse 12 is going to be the text tonight. Uh, the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance, uh, it, the inheritance of the saints in light. Uh, as I've been studying this out, I've been uh, going back and forth over this verse over and over and over again. And I don't know about you, I, I look at a verse and I start to break it down, I start to break it down, and I'm seeing pre prepositional phrases, and I'm, and I'm looking to see what that phrase is uh, modifying, and I'm trying to figure out, make sure that these words are going back and forth, and so uh, I sent Rachel a text, text and asked her to diagram uh, the sentence for me, and so uh, she called me back, and so uh, she was saying, uh, this, this word modifies this, and I started asking some questions. Okay, wait a second. If this one modifies this, then that means that this one has to change, and so we walked back and forth, and uh, we, we uh, uh, came to an agreement on what, verse, what words were modifying what words, uh, but it's, it's a pretty... Uh, this, this diagram is not just the plain 
dot dot line across you know you got the two uh lines that run across from each other uh you've got the drop downs and the dots coming down and the little pyramids and other lines and uh it's one of those verses that uh, uh is pretty intense and you know when i was in school i hated english when i got to college i tested into bonehead english uh, because I did not do well, I did not apply myself, and, uh, but when I got into college, I really enjoyed uh, it. I had a teacher in Bonehead English that just made things click, and it was amazing. I remember uh, I, I knew I was not the kid that could sit in the back of the class. All through school, I was the kid in the back of the class, but when I got to college, I was the one in the front of the class. And uh, it changes when you want to be there, doesn't it? And so I was up front and listening, and the very first day in English, she looked, and she was, she was just talking to the class. She said, so, uh, if I were to tell you that I didn't know what a preposition was, what could you tell me? And she locked eyes with me. And I just looked back at her and said, I'd tell you that you're not the only one. And, uh, and I was not joking. I had no idea. And so anyway, uh, but as I started learning, I like to learn. I enjoy learning, especially in my adult life. I have really enjoyed learning and seeing things and growing. And, and here as we look at this passage and see it, being able to break down some scripture and to see how it all ties together because God has orchestrated his word, not to just be some words on a page, they are to be impactful in our life. And so here, as we were looking through these, uh, this, uh, this passage here, uh, look again with me at verse number 12. He said, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And as we look at this, there's, uh, he's, the Bible says that we give thanks to the Father because He has done some things. He has made us meet. The word meet there means to qualify. And it means to, uh, to make fit or to be prepared for and uh, to be adequate. And without the work of the Father, we would not be adequate. We would not be fit. We would not be uh, prepared uh, or qualified. He has made, uh, made us meet, uh, and he has made us meet uh, to, to do something, to be a partaker, to be a partaker. So to be a partaker, we can't be a partaker on our own. We had to have him who is going to make us meet or adequate or fit to be able to be a partaker. And being a partaker is one to have a portion of. That means that without him working in my life to make me adequate, I can't even be a partaker of the portion that he has for me. And it's a part that is set aside for a specific purpose. Uh, when we look at uh, uh, Matthew 25, and the Bible tells 
tells us in verse 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Uh, it was prepared. They were made fit to be a partaker of that inheritance, and, and it was prepared for them. And so there was this inheritance that was there. Uh, so they were partakers, uh, and they were partakers of an inheritance. Now, the inheritance is an allotment. It is this allotment, and it's especially concerning uh, the conditions or terms of a will. And God says that, that he has made us meet. He has made us adequate to be able to be a partaker so we could be able to uh, be one that would be able to have that portion. And that portion wasn't just something that was there. It was an inheritance. How many of you would like to have an inheritance? All right? An inheritance. Now, we as children of God, we are heirs of the Father, joint heir with the Son. But we can't even be heir, we can't even be a partaker we can't even be meat for any of that without God. This inheritance, it's the allotment. Galatians 4, 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Uh, Ephesians 3, 6, That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That's talking about us right there. Uh, we are the Gentiles, uh, and we, as the Gentiles, are fellow heirs uh, of the same body and partakers of his promise. Uh, and it's in Christ, and it's through the gospel. What a blessing. Uh, but all of that took place because of what God did. And James 2, 5, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? Romans 8, verse 16 and 17, uh, the Bible says, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, so, uh, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also uh, be also glorified together. And so, here we are, uh, heirs uh, of the inheritance, partakers of the inheritance uh, of the saints. Now, this inheritance of the saints, when we're looking at Colossians, that the Lord has for us, this inheritance of the saints, the word saints there is hagios, it's that holy and, and that's that set-apart people. Israel was set apart by God to be his chosen people. You and I have been grafted in. And we as Gentiles, believers, we are now grafted in and we are a part of that group. Uh, we are of the saints. And, and if you're saved tonight, uh, there is... There, you, God has set you apart for his purpose. 
He has set you aside. And there is a life he wants us to live. First uh, Peter tells us that, verse 16 and 17, he said, uh, uh, 1, 16 and 17, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. That holy is the same word as hagios. It's the same word uh, that he was saying uh, of the saints. The word saint there is translated the exact same word, holy. And so, uh, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. And we are to live the life of a holy, set-apart person for God. We are to be set aside for God's purpose. And that's what that word holy means. But in this verse, it keeps on going. This little, this little thing just keeps on breaking out over and over again. And the last part uh, of that verse in Colossians 1.12, uh, he said, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. These prepositional phrases, the last prepositional phrase states, in light. The in light is modifying the saints. The saints are to be in the light. We are not to be in the darkness. We are to be in the light. And uh, we are no longer in darkness because of what God has done in our lives. Uh, if, you're not in dar if you're not in darkness, it's not because of your actions, your will, or determination. Uh, the reason we are not in darkness is not because of who we are. The reason we are not in darkness is because of who He is. And that's a, that's a blessing right there. And tonight I just want to look at these verses and uh, just break down some of the wonderful things that the Lord has done for us. And so in Colossians 1.12, He said, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints, in light. That little phrase there at the very beginning, giving thanks unto the Father. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. And let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. And Lord, whether we're in the, the services here tonight or whether uh, someone is watching online or recorded or uh, another time and day, uh, Lord, you know uh, your word and what it needs to do in our lives. And I pray that you would help us just to have a heart of gratitude for all that you have done for us. You have been so good. And I pray that you'd help us to give thanks. I pray that you would help us to have a mind that is quick to see uh, the things that you have done and the things that you are doing. And may our lips be quick to praise and give you thanks for what you're, you have done in our lives. So bless now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So much to be thankful for. Uh, someone said, thankfulness is the opposite of selfishness. The selfish person says, I deserve what comes to me. Other people ought to make me happy. But the mature Christian realizes that life is a gift from God and that the blessings of life come only from His bountiful hand. And that is the truth. All the blessings that we get to enjoy, they're not because we worked hard. They're not because we saved. It's not because of we made all the right choices. The blessings that we get to enjoy is because we have a wonderful God. 
Uh, and that wonderful God has worked in our lives. If you're sitting in church tonight, God has been working in your life. I mean, because if he wasn't working in your life, you would have no reason to be here. And I'm so thankful uh, that he is working in our lives. Colossians 1.13, he said, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? So, so much to be thankful for. All of these things that he had laid out uh, before we even get into the message. Uh, but there are several things that I want to break out tonight. Four different points uh, of what we should be thankful for. Uh, first who hath delivered us. Uh, why should I be thankful? Because he has delivered us. He has delivered us. Now, what a blessing. Uh, the word uh, ryomai is, is the word here on delivered, and it literally means to rescue. That means that we were in peril. That means that we were in distress. That meant that we were in danger, and the Lord has rescued us. He's delivered us uh, from that, that danger. Uh, he has rescued us, and blessed be God, He has delivered us uh, from the power of darkness, who had delivered us from the power of darkness, uh, the, the prince of the power of the air, the power of darkness, the power of satanic influence. God has rescued us from that. He had delivered us from that. You know what? He needs to be thanked, giving thanks unto him. Uh, why? Because he has, he has delivered us. He's rescued us. Uh, not only were we in darkness, we were, we were in, bound in chains. Have you ever been in the dark? I'm not just talking about a little bit of dark. I'm talking about a lot of dark. Have you ever been into a cave? There are caves that you can go to and, and you'll travel and they'll take you down into the uh, depths of the earth there and, and all of a sudden you can't see anything. One family vacation, uh, we were down in Oregon and there were all kinds of different caves and so uh, we decided we were going to go uh, checking out all these caves and, and we all thought it was going to be exciting and Mrs. Brown was coming along because we were there. And so uh, we ended up going to these caves and, and you go in and at first you have this huge, huge cave, and you can see, and you've got your flashlights, uh, and we were in this one cave, and we kept on going and kept on going, and it had turned so many times that there was absolutely no light except for the flashlights, and then we got to this spot where the cave came all the way down, and you had to crawl on your hands and knees through a section to get to the next part of the cave, and that's when she bailed. That's when she said, okay, we're done. We're done. Not doing that anymore. Uh, but you know what? When you are in something so dark, there is a sense of fear of the unknown. That light goes out. Have you ever had a light go out on you? I have. We had several lights. I think one of them started flickering, and she said, we're done. We're done. Get out of here. Let's get out of here. And, and uh, but there, was, there was something about that when those, those lights, if you lose that light and you can't see anything, there is, there is just that fear. And, and, you know, the Lord has rescued us from the power of darkness. You know, we get fear, fearful, and we don't know what's in the darkness. 
There is something to be fearful about the power of darkness. And you and I have been delivered from the power that darkness has, uh, the satanic uh, influence. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a power of darkness. And you know what the Lord did? He delivered us from the power of darkness, uh, giving thanks unto Him. Why? Because He's delivered us. He's delivered us from the power of darkness, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from wrath to come. We're not, we're not going to endure the wrath of God. Do you know why? Because he's delivered us. He's delivered us. He's delivered us from the consequences of sin. His name was Lincoln Hall. He was an Australian man, and he was a, a mountaineer. He was on his second trip to Mount Everest. He had already ascended once, and, and in that trip, he got uh, partway up and hit that, that last camp and, and recognized that he wasn't going to be able to make it. And so uh, he made the decision to go ahead and go back down while he still could. People die up on Mount Everest every single year. And this man was honest enough with himself knowing that if he went on, he was not going to be able to finish. And so he came down. 20 years later, 2006, he went back up to Mount Everest. And, and here as he was ascending Mount Everest... Uh, he uh, uh, got all the way to the top. And you talk about an amazing trek. And you do any uh, research on the Sherpas and, and all that goes into uh, being able to even make the ascent and the time and the training and the dollars that it takes to be able to do that. And so it's a big ordeal. And he got up on top of Mount Everest. He was there for about 20 minutes and they started coming down and and he had a, an edema. There was a, uh, a, a, a very intense high altitude sickness uh, that happened. Then an edema in his brain. And, and it caused him to be delirious. It caused him uh, to lose body function. And this man, as he's on his way back down, uh, he, he just lost control completely. And the Sherpas were trying to get him down. And finally... Uh, they, uh, he lost all consciousness. The Sherpas looked at him and they said, this man's dead. There was no sign of life. They called down by radio to the next base camp. And the base camp said, listen, don't, don't do anything else with him. You're endangering everybody else's life. Just leave him there. Pile some rocks on his body so he doesn't blow away. And come on down. So they, they looked around. They couldn't find any rocks. They just grabbed all the gear, took off, left him laying there on the side of the trail. They got down and they called the family and said that, that he had passed away. And he died at 28,200 feet. And so the information went out and but there's still other people that are getting ready to come back up. And 12 hours later, they had another 
another crew that had already been at the previous base camp, and now they're working their way up. And they were told to uh, that they would see a body when they got up to the, the 28,000 uh, foot line and mark there, and uh, just to go ahead and keep on going and not to worry about the body. They would uh, work on getting them back down. But as they, uh, the, the uh, leader of the crew started working up to that 28,000 mark, he looked and he didn't see a body. He saw a man just sitting there. And he had been sitting there all night. He was awake. He didn't have a tent. He didn't have any gear. He didn't have a sleeping bag. Frostbitten. His coat was open. And he was just sitting there. They get a little bit closer and the man looks at him. Hall looks at him and says, I bet you didn't expect to see me here. And very quickly, they recognized that he had just a little bit of time to live. If they did not get him back down to, the, uh, to medical help, he was going to die. But they weren't too far from that, that pinnacle. Twelve people walked past him and said, your life is not worth saving. I'm not losing my opportunity to get to the summit. Lincoln Hall was sitting there, and the leader of that group, uh, he, he was looking at what was going on, and, and this man, Daniel Mazur, he looked at him, and he immediately changed his plans. And he grabbed a hold of Lincoln Hall and worked and got him down to that next base camp to where he was able to get medical attention, and... He survived. You know, he was rescued. Dan Mazur rescued Lincoln Hall from the cold and from imminent death. You know what the Lord rescued us from? He rescued us from bondage. And he rescued us from the chains. And he rescued us from the darkness. And he rescued us from hell. He rescued us. He has, he has delivered us. And if you're saved tonight, uh, who had delivered us from the power of darkness, uh, God has, re, he has delivered us. Uh, and because of that, we need to give him thanks. He has delivered us because of what he has done, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Secondly, he has translated us. He has translated us. Now, the word uh, translated is, the, is a word that means to cause to move from one place or sphere to another place or sphere. You know, when the Bible says that Enoch was translated, he went from the temporal to the eternal without any death. You know what God has done? God has not only rescued us, he has translated us from a life that we would be living for the temporal to a life that is living for the eternal. From a worldly, earthly kingdom to a heavenly kingdom. And we are working even now for that heavenly kingdom. Not for the kingdom down here. Not for the things that are one day going to pass away. Uh, we are laboring uh, for uh, a kingdom that is 
going to last. We've been translated. Uh, what a blessing. You think about Enoch. Man, I'd like to be translated. He didn't see death. Uh, here he was. He was walking with God, and then he was not. He was translated. God just took him. He took him from this life to another sphere. And right now, we look at Enoch and we think, well, he was translated. No, you and I have been translated from a sphere here to a sphere that's eternal. And we have been translated the eternal kingdom over a temporal kingdom, the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. And we are in the world, but we are not of the world. You know what we need to do? We need to give thanks. Giving thanks. You know, when we stop and just give thanks, uh, we, are, we are recognizing what God has done for me. What he's done for me. You know, when somebody does something nice for us, we tell them thank you. Why? There's gratitude there. The Lord does so much for us and we just expect it. We just, like I talked about this morning, we just feel like we deserve it. It's just expected that he's going to give us all the blessings. We're surprised when life doesn't go our way, aren't we? When our plans don't work out, we're, we're a little surprised. Well, if the Lord loves me, why is this not working out? God's good all the time. He is good all the time. And Enoch, he was translated from the temporal life to that eternal life, that dis different sphere. And we live in a, in, a, in a temporal kingdom, but we live for an eternal kingdom. We live in a mortal body, but we live for an immortal body. There's one day when this mortal is going to put on immortality. Uh, this dead body is going to put on a, a body of life uh, that will live forever. And because of that, we have so much to be thankful for. He has, re, he has delivered us. He has translated us. Look at verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, he has thirdly redeemed us. Redeemed us. That word redeem means to buy back. Uh, it means a full redemption here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Ephesians 1, 7, he says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption because of his riches, because of his sacrifice, uh, in whom we have redemption. It's through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So that redemption is through the blood of Christ. What a blessing. He has purchased us. In Acts 20, 28, he talks to the elders, the pastors. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the flock of God, uh, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And you and I, we have been redeemed. We have been bought back. It's used in the same term as buying back a slave, buying back a captive. This purchase price, the Lord didn't have to buy us back from our captor. Satan had no power over God. God didn't have to come to Satan with a purchase price to get us back. No, God, God and his purchase price of 
the blood of Christ. It was to satisfy the justice and the holiness of the Almighty. He was buying us back at the price he set. He was buying us back at the right price. It what was required for us to be bought back. And it was to satisfy that justice and the holiness of God. And you can't separate uh, the word redemption and the word forgiveness. They go hand in hand, but they're broke out here in these verses here. Uh, that he has, he has not only delivered us and translated us and redeemed us, he has fourthly forgiven us. Even the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness. You know what peace there is that we can have with God? Because He's a forgiving God. Forgiving. How many times do we fail Him? How many times do we say, Lord, I'll never do that again? Or, Lord, I'm going to do this. And we fail. And he keeps on forgiving. What an amazing God. Even the forgiveness of sins. As if, the, as if deliverance wasn't enough. As if being translated was not enough. As if redemption wasn't enough. He says, even the forgiveness of sins. And uh, glory to God, we have, we have a lot to be thankful for. And we need to be giving thanks to Him. Uh, Psalm 103. Psalm 103 and verse number 10. Psalm 103, 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward us, uh, toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. What a wonderful God. He is a forgiving God. We need to give thanks. Giving of thanks for what he has done for us. Micah 7, 19, he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. He'll cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You know what that means? They're not going to be found. They're not going to be found. You know, God's been good. He's been so good to us. You know what? We need to give thanks to him. We need to be a people that look at what he has done for us and we need to be willing to stop and think about them and, and give him thanks. And that's what Paul was saying here. Uh, Stephen, Rachel, if you'll come. Uh, we need to be uh, just showing that gratitude and that thankfulness uh, for all that he has done for us. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So much to be thankful for. Let's give him thanks. Giving thanks. And I ask Stephen if he'll sing tonight, and uh, let's just enjoy this song. Let's stand together.
Father, I do pray that you would help us, Lord, just to recognize all that you've done for us. You're worthy of our lips of praise, and Lord, you're worthy of any honor that we can give. And I pray that as your people, we truly would be a people that would thank you for what you have done. So I pray that you work in our invitation. Speak to hearts. Help us, Lord, to be have a heart full of gratitude and thankfulness for what you have done in our lives. For Christ's sake. The altar's open. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.